Hi, I'm Ashley Stamatinos, five-time number one best-selling author and your host to The Rewire Show, where I'll be interviewing some of the best minds about how to rewire your sensitivities into your greatest strengths. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends. And please remember to visit ashleystamatinos.com for additional resources designed specifically with you in mind to strengthen your transformational journey. Thank you for spending time with me today. Now let's get to the show. Hello everyone, Ashley Stamatinos here. I have a very special treat for you today. I am so excited to introduce you to Susie Miller. Welcome Susie. Thank you for having me. I am so excited for those of you, well, a lot of you probably know all about Susie because she's amazing and she is a pioneer in the field of autism. But for those of you who do not yet know about Susie, I'm so excited to tell you all about her. So let me let me share with you a little bit about her before we dive into the questions. Susie Miller is a visionary speaker, an author, a telepathic communicator, a multi-dimensional seer, and founder of the groundbreaking Awesomeism Practitioner Process and Everyday Avatar, the Journey Back to Love series. A former pediatric speech-language pathologist with a master's degree in education, Susie pioneered a shift in the perception of autism from an individual disorder to a collective revolution in human consciousness and has been playing in the field of leading edge consciousness ever since. The tw- uh, she actually twice collaborated with Dr. William Tiller, uh, Professor Emeritus, Stanford University, and he's also a featured physicist in the movie What the Bleep. Maybe some of you have seen that as well. Awesome movie. A lifelong student of consciousness, Susie has personally facilitated the growth and mastery of hundreds of awesomeism practitioners and thousands of private clients worldwide. So I also want to pull up this book here. You saw me just bring up for a moment. I'm so excited for any of you who are looking for some reading. I highly, highly recommend this book. This is Susie's book, Awesomeism. I read it and I love this book and you should all go grab a copy right away. So this is so amazing. Here's what it looks like so you know what to look like uh, look for so welcome again Susie so glad you're here thank you for having me it's great awesome so I would really like to kind of start from the beginning actually the beginning of this specific journey of working with amazing kids with autism which you know is oh just right to my heart I would like to ask you, um, so I know that you started out as a speech-language pathologist, and you were not initially focused on working with kids with autism, so would you please tell everyone just a little bit about the, or not even just a little, tell as much as you'd like, I would love to hear about your experience of meeting Riley and how everything changed right after that meeting. Yeah, so I was definitely a a pretty focused uh, speech-language pathologist, private practice in the state of Maine, so kind of had an educational bent, a scientific bent to me, and um, in 99, I had a new child on my caseload, Riley, that you mentioned, and at that time, there weren't all that many kids diagnosed with autism, so he was not only a new kid on my caseload, but he was also a new diagnosis for me. 
And so, you know, back in 86, when I graduated with my master's degree, there just weren't all that many kids. So there was no real education, right, in that area. And so what we, um, when I met him at his daycare center, it's basically, you know, this, through my eyes at the time, I really was kind of thinking, this is a weird little kid. You know, it's like he was marching back and forth and he's going, it's the millennium, it's 1999, you know? And so, and I, you know, I'm just kind of going, I don't understand him, whatever. So when I met him, he literally walked right up to me and he made direct eye contact with me. And the minute he made direct eye contact with me, he said, master. Mm -hmm. And when he said master, I don't know what happened, but there was some visceral sensation that ran through my body. Mm -hmm. So I took him to the back of the daycare center to work with him. Mm -hmm. And when we got back there, you know, I closed the door. I sat in front of the door thinking I was just going to give him both him some time to get acclimated to me, but me some time to get acclimated to him too. Yeah. And, um, and he was still walking around saying, it's the millennium, it's 1999. And then all of a sudden, I was just watching him walk around the room and little four-year-old boy, you know, brown hair, little brown eyes, beautiful. And he was, all of a sudden I saw, the best way I can describe it is a light body version of him floating above his physical body. So physical body, light body. Mm -hmm. There was a little tail off of his light body foot that went in the top of his head and dipped right down into his chest. Mm -hmm. And I'm a speech language pathologist, so I'm thinking, what the heck am I seeing? What is this, right? And about the time I said to myself, you know, in my own head, what is this? What am I seeing? I heard this little boy's voice in my head say, that's my light body. You're here to put my light body back into my physical body. Yeah. And... I had no idea what he meant. I had no idea why he called me master. I, but I knew in that moment that my life had changed. I, I was so clear that that was a pretty profound moment. And he basically took me through a year long process where he would come to me in dreams. Mm -hmm. He would come to me telepathically or through by location. And he would tell me exactly what to do to help him integrate. Right. And at the end of that year, he basically was verbally communicating and doing all kinds of things. He would, um, and so once that started, every kid on my caseload started to become somebody diagnosed with autism. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. And they, and they were all telepathically communicating. They were all telling me what to do um, in order to support them. So yeah, it was a crazy beginning. That's, yeah, definitely a crazy beginning. And I, I find that with so many of the, the children on the autism spectrum that I meet even now do they do need their light body to integrate. And it's, it's often very uncomfortable in the beginning stages of their life. Um, and I'm wondering from you, you know, what is that about? Can you talk a little bit about, you know, what, 
sort of the, what awareness we can have about why when they first come in, they don't necessarily have their light body integrated. And, and sometimes it takes what, three or four years even, right? Well, sometimes it takes a lifetime, you know, sometimes they never get fully integrated, mm-hmm. but you know, from what I've learned from the kids and what my experience has taught me is that we basically have a bunch of souls that started coming in like late 1980s, early 1990s. And these souls were, they were of a different vibrational frequency, I guess is the best way to say it. Mm -hmm. And the frequency that they were bringing at that time was very much a mismatch Mm -hmm. with the density of a physical human form. So we had, you know, we had kids that, um, you know, like you say, in many ways, they were not able to integrate at all. They were taking years to integrate instead of like a child born it, you know, in my generation or maybe even in your generation were, you know, we pretty much, you know, we were birthed and we were here, you know, it it might've taken us a year to kind of get where, okay, I'm in the body. These kids are taking, like you say, four, five, six years to come into the body if they fully come into the body at all. Um, And many of them are choosing, especially some of the ones that were born um, earlier, 1980s, you know, that, that group. A lot of those souls literally chose to stay more connected to what I would say they're, they're higher dimensional realities than to come and integrate into this one. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So I, since you brought up other dimensions, I would yes. love if you could talk a little bit about, I think it's so fascinating how some of these children and maybe most, you'll have to let me know, but they stay connected to those other dimensions. And sometimes they're in both places at once, getting information from there. And sometimes um, it can be confusing. We look at them and we think they're distant and they're off, but they're actually in multiple places at once. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. And it does take, you know, I mean, especially a parent who doesn't have multidimensional awareness themselves, mm-hmm. you know, they have a child and all of a sudden you've got this individual mm-hmm. who is functioning in very different ways. I mean, they're talking to things that aren't there. They're seeing things that aren't there, you know, as far as the parent's perspective is concerned. But when you look through multidimensional eyes, you can actually see what they're talking to. You can see what's there. And so it became very evident very quickly that, you know, yes, they are speaking to something else. They are learning from something else. And that when we begin to be curious about that and ask questions, instead of just assuming they're doing something that's, you know, weird or or not right, we can really begin to actually start to access those dimensions, those realms, and what's available there ourselves as well. But that whole piece of, you know, you know, if it doesn't look normal, it must not be normal, or it must not be right. It's just not true. I mean, they they have access to so much. And in the last, um, I would say in about the last five years, mm-hmm. as things like um, different forms of communication, uh, spell to communicate and things like that have come in. Now we're really beginning to understand directly from the children 
that yes, indeed, they are still connected to these other dimensional realms. They have all kinds of friends and supports and they have all kinds of interference also from those realms. And, but they're now in one way or another being able to communicate that to us, even though they may not be still verbally communicating. So yeah, there's a lot going on there. I love that. And I love that you're, you're sharing this with everyone because I often run into a lot of parents who are not so aware of the multidimensional reality that we live in. And it's, it's literally, it's polarizing looking at, you know, seeing all of these um, things that are going on um, and then being next to a parent who is saying, you know, fall in line, do this. Yes, this is right. This is no. Um, but I, but I'm curious because I run into so many of those parents who, who aren't curious and asking questions. They're very into the polarity of right and wrong. Do any of those parents kind of come to their wits end and come to you? How do you speak with them? How do you <laughs> welcome them into this? Like <laughs> almost, you know, it's funny. I've had so many both professionals. I've had like superintendents of whole school districts yes. say, I so didn't want to come to you because, you know, you do that weird stuff. I didn't want to have to, I remember having one um, director of a school um, come to me and they said, you know, we've got like 50, no, we've got like 20, 30% of our population is now either ADD, ADHD, or autistic. She said, what are we going to do? And I said, well, wait till it goes just over 50%. And then, you know, it, you'll, be, you'll be good as gold because now you'll have to be yeah. responding to this population that 20%, 30%, you can still pretend like they're just different from the other kids. Yeah. But pretty soon, they're going to be the minority, I mean, the majority instead yeah. of the minority. Mm-hmm. And so at that stage of the game, you know, we, we're really forced to change our consciousness. We're really forced to change the way we interact um, with these with these souls, with these children, so. Absolutely. One of the things I've heard you say before is that they're here to tip the vibrational frequency of humanity. And so can yeah. you elaborate a little bit more on that? Because I, I love hearing about that. <laughs> Yeah, so when, you know, one of the first things, of course, once I became telepathic myself and I was able to see multidimensionally, I would ask Riley, especially, all these questions. And, you know, I would ask him, you know, why are there so many of you here now? You know, why are so many kids diagnosed with autism? And, you know, we can look at just the environmental factors, you know, we can look at vaccines and things like that, which is, has a part to play in all of this. But he basically, said that, you know, we were a very patriarchal um, oriented um, humanity, you know, very linear oriented humanity with male energy, kind of uh, not just in males, not just in men, but male energy kind of running the show. And that humanity really got to the place where consciously or unconsciously, we started calling out for um, new experiences. We started calling out um, at a soul level for a new population that might help us shift this. Mm. And so we had all of these highly intuitive, typically boys, 
come in. So we've got, you know, all of these children, mainly boys, like I say, coming in, but they they were still aware of their multidimensionality. They were still aware of that more intuitive, psychic kind of um, uh, aspect of themselves. Mm -hmm. So that in and of itself had a tendency to kind of tip the scales, mm -hmm. but they were also a population that, um, what I heard from Riley was a lot of these souls have not been here since about the time of Lemuria. And when you think about that, at the time of Lemuria, we had light bodies. We didn't even have physical dense bodies. So, so here we have all these souls now incarnating that are able to, the fact that they're even able to be here, quite frankly, blows my mind, yes, you know? Yeah. What were they doing the all in between space? <laughs> Well, yeah, so, I, this, this is where I have, this is where, if people are going to disagree with my point of view, this is where they disagree with it. Okay, so Sorry. I went right there. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, no, that's, this is great. I love addressing it. Um, so one of the things that I had, um, you know, you asked what happened between Lemuria and now, yes. and where were these souls? What was happening to them, right? So some of these souls incarnated um, on, on Earth in this reality, but not necessarily having human incarnation. They may have been guides to others. They may have come in in some other form, but they did not have dense human incarnations. Now... A lot of people that work with kids diagnosed with autism, especially within the metaphysical community, will say, no, I had a session, I had an energy session with somebody and they told me that the reason my kid acts like this is because of an incarnation where they were whatever, something happened, right? Hmm. And I, I don't want to discount that in any way, shape or form. But what I do want to say is that most of the children that I end up working with are kind of um, what I would call like a master level consciousness. So Riley, Riley was masterful enough mm -hmm. to be able to say, you know, we're going to wake you up and we're going to wake you up really fast. Yeah. So many of the children that I end up with are in that same category. And for that reason, that population has not been here very often. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just like many of us only come when there are times of real change, mm -hmm. um, this population, or at least the ones that I work with, are, are, are no different than that. So mm -hmm. thank you for that. That's so yeah. interesting. And I, I have noticed a lot of the, the children that I've, I, it sounds so accurate what you're saying, because I, I look at so many of these children and I, I have been thinking like, wow, my awareness is that you're from other planets and you haven't been here. And the way that you're explaining it actually sort of fills in some of the gaps and, and that makes a lot of sense. So, well, you know, I mean, the, what I kept hearing initially that I have very rarely spoken about is what is the fact that, you know, if planet Earth has 12 dimensions, you know, and when I first started asking these kids, it's like, okay, if you're not from here, 
what what reality are you from? Is it a different? Is it a parallel reality? Is it a different dimension? And I was hearing things like nineteenth dimension. Well, who knows what that means? I mean, but but what I do know that that, that means mm-hmm. is that that wasn't a, that wasn't an earthly experience because that's not available here. Right. And so I, you know, and I've kind of delved into that a little bit more since then, but so nine times out of 10, these kids, you know, they, they just literally were not from here. And so if you had, I always give this analogy to especially kind of more parents that are just coming into this awareness about their kids. You know, if, if we took a, a child from France mm-hmm. and we asked them to come to the U.S., mm-hmm. we would not expect them to understand our customs. We would not expect them to speak our language. Mm-hmm. We would not expect them to have the same dynamics that we do. Mm-hmm. And yet we have all of these children that are coming from other realms, other experiences, other realities. Mm-hmm. And we just expect that the minute they get here, because they are in a human body mm-hmm. and because they look like, you know, they belong here, that somehow they know everything that we know. Mm-hmm. And it's just not true. And so one of the first things to really get across to parents, I think, is some of the things that we need to talk to this particular population about are just some of the basics. Yes. You know, it's like, when you do that behavior, it makes me feel like this, or that behavior looks strange in this situation because we would do it this way, and you're doing it that way. Something as simple as that really could can change the dynamics of how a um, a child interacts. Um, and a lot of parents will say, well, I don't do that because I don't think they're understanding me or they're not looking at me or they're not present. And I'm saying to them, they are everywhere. Um, I have watched kids over and over again, especially in schools where, you know, the teachers are in the, teacher lounge and they're having conversations about kids that are in the classroom or kids that aren't even in the building Mm -hmm. and sure enough the kid acts out or speaks out exactly the way that teacher feels about them you know and they don't make the correlation they just think that the kid doesn't like them or the kid is being confrontational Mm -hmm. a lot of times if you trace it back it's because that's the energy coming at them, yes. you know, and, and they really do have a kind of no time, no space perspective on reality. So um, it's, it's, we can work with that to make that a good thing. Um, but for many initially, they think, oh, it's like I'm heard everywhere. <laughs> so. Well, absolutely. And I, two things that are popping, I mean, so many more, but I'm trying to reduce it down to two things. Um, one thing I thought was so wonderful that you were saying, and you, you briefly mentioned it, a lot of parents are saying, well, I feel like they're not paying attention or they're not looking at me when I'm speaking with them. So I feel like they can't hear me or they don't understand. And again, 
I, I've had so many experiences where I've been working with these children and they're facing the other way and they're playing in their beans or their sand because they're kinesthetic. And that's how they receive information because they're moving while they receive it and they need to be touching and tactile. And, you know, it, it, it's like they actually could surprise the heck out of you with what they're capable of. If you, I love how you said curiosity in the beginning. It's sort of like, well, I wonder how much they are getting and I wonder how much they could surprise me, you know? Um, well, and it, you know, you're talking about the kinesthetic part of things yes. too. It's like, again, this, um, this population has all kinds of different skill sets that most humans are just haven't yet developed uh-huh. and or, or, or have and are simply unaware of. Okay. So, you know, a lot of people are telepathic, but they just kind of, they just kind of brush it under the carpet, you know, when something like that happens and they, they yeah. write it off. But as far as the kinesthetic part of things is concerned, this population is actually in communion or in union with just about everything. So they learn by feeling, they learn by touching, they learn through those senses Mm -hmm. because there's an exchange of information. So, I mean, I've watched kids, um, I've watched kids play with water. Let's say, you know, they love the water table, they love splashing. And if you, they, they'll splash, somebody, there was a picture I saw once, there was a kid diagnosed with autism, he's throwing the water up in the air, and he's at a, he's at a farm, right, and he's not playing at the farm, he doesn't want to ride the horses, he doesn't want to be in the garden, right, he's just playing in the water, he's throwing it up, somebody took pictures, okay, and he throws it up, and what is the picture but a horse in the water? Throws up another, and it's a tree or a plant or a garden or a, you know, it's like, and again, it's like, how does that happen? I mean, he is communion, communing with the element of water. And there's an older um, autistic woman that uh, was talking about this, too. She said she goes over to the sink, and she just, flips her hands in and out of the water. And she said, the water's talking to me. I'm talking to the water. But these are things that, because we don't have that sense or that skill set, we kind of just look at it and think that it's it's weird, right? And I love so much that you're sharing things like this with us that we might not have thought of or recognized otherwise. So that's really, really cool. And when you started talking about the water, I thought you were going to talk about how I know that you are in connection with the collective consciousness of, you know, these children and and probably adults, anyone, you know, with this vibration that they are emanating. Um, But I, I remember one time you talking about how they are the water, you know, they are all of these things and that communion. And um, so if you would touch upon that for a minute, you know, how they, they are so, um, you know, there's not separation. Right. So, you know, when we're born onto this planet, we're born onto a planet of duality. And so we immediately take on the imprinting of separation. And no matter how much we like to think that we've moved beyond that, (laughs) it's like, I talk to people every day 
that, you know, as I hear myself, you know, use those kinds of words and that kind of imprinting all the time. So we all are, are born into that um, consciousness. Mm -hmm. But part of the, part of the, what's going on with these kids is, and the reason that they don't fully integrate into the body is because they're not interested and mm. in integrating into duality. They're also not interested in integrating into old family lineage patterns, you know, that, that become very predominant and very activated if you are integrated all the way down to, say, like the root chakra. So they're like, yeah, we'll stay from the heart up. Yeah. And we'll let you guys work through the, you know, the family lineage stuff, and we'll, we'll reflect that back to you but we won't take it on ourselves. So, you know, so we've got, so they really do come in with this more unified sense of uh, experience. Mm -hmm. I guess it's the best way to say it. And once we understand that, we can teach parents and professionals Mm -hmm. to use that to their benefit, to, to the professional's benefit and actually to the child's benefit too. Because if you're wanting, for instance, to help a child be present and accounted for in a classroom, mm -hmm. guess what you need to do? <laughs> it's like you need to be present and accounted for in the classroom. Yeah. Because, because the they're always watching the energetics of things they're always sensing and feeling the energetics of things so and this is especially true with their parents because of the biological connection so anytime a, a parent says to me I want this child to change that behavior we always look and see where that behavior might be a reflection of something that might be going on for the parent. Maybe the child is showing like um, anxiety and stress and fear, okay? Mom, dad, where are you experiencing anxiety, stress, and fear? Probably just from having a kid diagnosed with autism. Mm -hmm. But when we start working with the parent to reduce the anxiety, stress, and fear, guess what happens? It reduces in the child. Always, yeah, that's, I've always, always. said yeah. yeah 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 so even even things like somebody um thought i was joking at one point and they i had a lot of questions about medication yeah. you know for these kids and um i was talking to somebody once about homeopathy mm -hmm. and different protocols for kids diagnosed with autism and i said you know um i've talked to a lot of homeopaths and i said please treat it's not a joke. Please treat the parents. Yeah. You know, please treat the parents first. See if there's any response or reaction to treating the parent. And then incrementally add something for the child, whatever is the residual energy that needs to be processed. Because that's the other thing that I was hearing over and over again. It's so much of the information that is reflected back to these kids mm -hmm. is simply that a reflection they're not coming with a lot of their own baggage mm -hmm. but man are they really good at reflecting yeah. a language pattern mm -hmm. right 
And if we understand that, we don't take it personally. We don't get, you know, think that we're bad parents or anything like that because of that. We simply use what is, um, use what will actually work for them in this way. If we understand it, it, it all works pretty beautifully. That's why I love getting parents of kids that are like two or three because you can change the whole so dynamic. Early intervention. Yeah. That. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And this early intervention, especially when there's a real conscious awareness about who their child is and how they actually function versus how most people think that they might function. So. Yeah, there's a lot of misconception, absolutely. But I think you're doing such an amazing job of, of increasing so much awareness around what's possible and what's really going on, you know, just a very, very different perspective. And so I'm so grateful that you're doing this. I am so excited about what's to come. And I know that we don't really have much time left, but one thing I really wanted to talk to you a little bit about that is such a, um, a commonality or a, a common thread or theme within your whole business is telepathy. And I know that you're teaching so many practitioners to work with children. And can you just talk a little bit about that and how, how much change that's creating by sending people out there who can offer this support to parents or caretakers or therapists or teachers or whatever it is? Yeah, I think there's two things. There's there's the telepathy part of things. And then there's also, uh, I think my background as a speech language pathologist makes me a little bit more um, focused on the professional aspect of um, how we interact telepathically. Because, wow. it, okay. because it's one thing to be telepathic and get all kinds of information from the kids. Mm -hmm. It's another way, it's another thing to deliver it in a way that is professional, that can be understood, that's not scary to the parent. And so awesomeism and the practitioner process really looks at those two things hand in hand. I like that. Um, you know, because I, you know, you hear people all the time say, well, I was a daycare provider and I was receiving these kind of messages and I went and I just told the parent that I was receiving these messages and I got fired and the parent got mad. And I go, well, they, you should have gotten fired and they should have gotten mad because yeah. they didn't ask, you know, it's like, so I think that, you know, what we talk about with the practitioners all the time is if your telepathy is about you demonstrating a skill set that other people don't know that they have yet. If it's just about that, then this probably isn't the process for you. But if you're wanting to use telepathy as a bridge between those worlds and the worlds of many of the parents, then there is a way to do it um, very professionally um, where the information is can be proven, you know, when you give people very specific information at, it, at the place where they can actually hear it and they apply that, all of a sudden they kind of go, oh my gosh, that was right, that, that worked, you know? And the other thing is, is like right now, there's a, there's a neuroscientist, uh, Dr. Diane Powell, who is, she's actually, um, testing children diagnosed with autism um, and finding that indeed they are highly telepathic. So it's, I mean, this is like 
scientific research now, you know, so it's not that it's not even any longer that it's just some kind of fun polar trick, you know, that to be telepathic, it's um, that awareness is coming more and more into the collective human consciousness. And uh, it's, you know, we've I think maybe 280 or something practitioners in about 16 or 17 different countries. And so it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter. Quite frankly, we're, like I said earlier, we're all telepathic. Um, It's just that some of us have honed that skill, just like some of us have honed our tennis skills. You know, it's like we hone that skill and um, we trust it and we get better at it. And if we offer it in a professional way, what I've noticed is the collective consciousness of the children is more than happy to give us more and more information that we might not otherwise uh, consider possible. Mm. And and this this work that you're teaching your practitioners to do, it's not just for nonverbal children, right? Oh, no, any, um, it's, there's what I learned from Riley and so many of the kids and, you know, I work with adults who have all kinds of energetic awareness and sensitivities and are integrating all kinds of amazing things. Mm. But what I, what I'm absolutely a hundred percent on is that there is for everybody, there's a higher part of us that knows how to support the parts of us that are struggling. There's a higher part that understands how to support the part or the lower part, let's say. Mm. And when we really begin to listen to that Mm. in any child, in any adult, even within ourselves, Mm -hmm. and really apply it, what we begin to find out is that, you know, we, we always have the help we need. We always have the support we need. It's right within us, you know? And, so this telepathy has a way of at least initially kind of bridging that gap mm-hmm. for somebody who mm, doesn't believe that they're being supported, mm-hmm. you know, or maybe even feels like they're punished, <laughs> you know. Um, and it's just not uh, it's just not true. I mean, we always do have the support we're looking for. We just have to look for it. Within ourselves, within the higher consciousness of the kids. Yes. Yeah, I just use the word hopeful. I mean, that message of what's possible just feels so hopeful for parents, for, you know, teachers, therapists, caretakers, everybody on such a a spectrum of what they are, you know, dealing with, you know, what's in front of them, whatever situation that is. It's so hopeful. I love that. Um, So all of you who are listening, I don't know if you're as drawn into this as I am because I have a million other things I want to learn. So I'm definitely going to go on Susie's website and, you know, consume content, whatever is there. (laughs) So Susie, would you please tell the listeners a little bit more about how to get in touch with you and whatever the next steps might be for, for, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, com and I'm S-U-Z-Y. So, um, so at suzymiller.com, you can mail me at suzy at suzymiller.com. Um, when you go to the website, a couple things that are there right now that, um, are pretty accessible. There's a 30 day of awesomeism, which is a free offering. 
There is uh, monthly energy sessions where I actually support people in integrating all kinds of different things. Mm. And we have the Austinism Practitioner process now actually as an online classroom. So people can take it wherever they want, whatever time they want. It's really beautifully set out. And, you know, it, it has a lot of the information that came since the book. So even if you buy the awesomeism the book, mm -hmm. um, there's so much more. And so it really, thank you. <laughs> it, really, yeah, it really gives an opportunity to, you know, fill in some of the information that was in the book and take it that much further into really practical application. So I like that so much. The practical application I think is so important because people are looking for those tools that they can apply right away and start to see some change. And then they can keep going deeper and deeper into that. So I'm, I, I love that you're offering such practical and professional ways of implementing tools. I like that very much. That's important to me as well. Um, so I hope that all of you will continue to take the next steps with Susie and take her up on all of these amazing things that she has just listed for you. And of course, as you know, I will include all of the links that she has um, mentioned uh, below this interview so that you can easily click on them and check everything out. So also please be sure to subscribe to the series and get involved in the conversation. And please leave comments for us. Both of us would love to get back to you and hear your feedback, what you're interested in, what other questions you have. That would be really wonderful. And thank you all for joining us. And a huge thank you to Susie. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It was wonderful. Bye, everyone. We'll see you on the next video. Thank you for listening to The Rewire Show. Wondering if you are a highly sensitive person or an empath? Head over to ashleystamatinos.com to take the free quiz. While you're there, you can join in on the conversation with other like-minded people and discover fantastic free bonus content to support you on your transformational journey to rewire your sensitivities into strengths. See you on the next episode.